This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Ice fishing season got off to a slow start in a huge swath of Canada. Folks in the Winnipeg area are only getting out on the ice starting today. Eastern Ontario has been warm as heck, which has definitely kept ice fishermen off the uh, lakes and ponds in that neck of the woods. And that's probably bumming Lawrence Gunther out. Lawrence is the host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther on AMI-audio. Hey, good morning, Lawrence. Happy New Year. Same to you, Dave. (laughs) Uh, Lawrence, it was really mild last week in Eastern Ontario. I experienced, experienced that one big time. It really feels like this time of year... This is when safety and ice fishing really go hand in hand. You're right, Dave. And the thing is to be patient, right? If you rush out there with some of the, uh, you know, the more adventurous types or foolish types, I call them, you know, onto two inches of ice or, or soggy ice, ice that's decaying, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. What are what are some of the evaluation points? What are some of the things maybe a more uh, beginner or intermediate ice fisherman needs to know about thickness and safety before they get on the ice? Well, you know, it, it, you want to have like uh, four to six inches of good solid black ice, right? Not the cloudy ice, the, the ice that's full of snow and slush that just sort of froze like a milkshake. So, you know, four to six inches, that's uh, 10 to 15 centimeters. How do you test that? Bring a spud, you know, walk a bit, spud through the uh, ice, uh, you know, see how thick it is. If it's solid, if it's your spuds crashing through, then think twice, get back off of it. Um, you know, that's really important to, and it, and you can never really trust ice. So you always want to think about what am I going to wear? So a flotation suit or a life jacket, if you have one, an inflatable life jacket on the outside of your clothing, no one's going to laugh at you at the beginning of the season. If you do something like that, having some ice picks around your shoulders, hanging there, uh, ready to go. So if you do fall through, you can, you know, there's nothing to grab onto if you're just sort of dangling in a hole and holding yourself up by your arms. So to have some picks in your hands that you can slam into the ice and, and use to pull yourself out like a like a seal like you know lie down on the ice on your stomach and kick your feet and pull yourself out like a seal that's important and uh, just be aware go where people are going you know don't necessarily go into places where there's no sign of any human activity yeah, you you want to be uh, following following the lures, uh, so to speak, following the lures, <laughs> if you will. Uh, Lawrence, yeah. that's the safety first side of the equation, and that is an important side of the equation. But ice fishing is also supposed to be fun. What are mm. the things that someone can bring along to make the experience more fun besides a flask of whiskey? You know, a little propane heater for heat is one thing. Some shelter would be nice or even a windbreak of some sort just to just to cut that little bit of wind. Some food, something to cook on, you know, make some warm food, some warm drink. That's always great. Uh, you know, underwater cameras are very popular so you can lower them down into the ice and you can see because in the wintertime, the water gets very clear because there's no wind stirring the water up. So if you have some vision, you can use some underwater cameras to look down there. 
And, uh, you know, just, just having some friends and family around, that's, that's really what counts, right? Fan, ice fishing really is a community activity. Yeah, spending time with people is, is, mm. is a lot of the fun and a lot of the reason why you want to go out there and spend eight hours uh, freezing your nips off on the lake. Uh, Lawrence, <laughs> what about the disability lens to this? What, is, what are some of the tips in tech that you would recommend to someone who's blind or partially sighted when they want to get out on the ice? Well, amazingly, this is where it, we do well, right? It's people with low vision, no vision. You know, if you think about an ice-covered lake, uh, it's just covered in ice and snow. No one can see what's down there. You drill a hole, you're peeking, everyone's kind of looking. You can't see much, so <laughs> everyone's fishing blind, right? So, you know, the, the kind of gear I like to go with is they have little ice fishing rods you can buy. Some of the tips on those ice fishing rods are very springy. They call them like spring bobbers or spring tips. You want to avoid those. You will feel nothing. And if you can't see that tip going up and down to signify a bite it's it's pointless to you so get a rod that has a slightly stiffer tip so you will feel some of that activity you can put a little bell they sell little bells you can clip onto the tip of your rod so if you put your rod down in a rod holder and some activity happens you'll hear that those bells tinkling if you're in a shack you can get rattle reels so if the reel starts to unwind the little rattles go off inside the reel another one my favorite is a, a blue tips b-l-u-e-t-i-p-z you can clip them onto your tip up. So these are little ice fishing things that you set around in, in holes. And if you get a bite, a flag pops up. Well, your little blue tip clips to the, uh, the flagstaff. So when it pops up, a mercury switch goes off. It sends a, a little Bluetooth signal to your iPhone, very accessible. And all of a sudden you get a message on your iPhone saying, hey, uh, number two is 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 active. You get an audio message and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Lawrence, I am too immature to uh, hear anybody use the expression stiff tip. So I'm just going to move on and start talking <laughs> about guide dogs. How does your guide dog like being out on the ice? They love it, Dave. They can see in 360 degrees for miles in all directions. They just love being out there. You know, they get real sort of territorial. They want to pee on everyone's equipment. So watch out oh, for no. that. You don't want oh, to no. <laughs> <laughs> your dog marketing, marking your ter your equipment is one thing. When they start running over to other people's tents and peeing on the corners of other people's tents, it's not appreciated. But the main thing is, you know, think about what they're standing on. It, it, you know, it's much better for a dog to stand in snow than it is to stand on bare ice, right? The, the snow is insulation, and they love being on snow. Bare ice, you don't want to scrape it down and keep the dog on bare ice. Always make a nice snowy bed for them. And if, they, if there is no snow, which is what we're facing with now, you know, think about some, some protection for the dog's paws so they don't get cut from ice shards, mm. right? You know, their dogs are, you got to take care of the paws, right? The other thing is they want to run on the on ice and uh, you want to prevent that because if they run and get a joint strain you know some sort of sprain in their ankle or hip or or you know it, that's going to prevent the dog from working for weeks potentially and it could be a problem going down the road so you know keep the activity to a minimum of sclera ice they want to run and they want to slide and and fool around but if it's just sclera ice that's one thing if it's snow that's quite another let let them run put a little bell on them and uh, get them into some shelter, you know, if it's really cold. If your dog's not used to standing around in bus shelters and taking long walks in the wintertime, he's not going to have that tolerance to cold. So you're mm. going to need some sort of shelter, right, to keep the dog, uh, to give him a break from that freezing cold. You can't take a city dog out of an apartment and <laughs> plop him on the ice for eight hours and expect that he's going to have fun all eight hours. At some point, they're going to get cold. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, it, it's important to have a blankie. <laughs> definitely a blankie, maybe one of those sheds with a space heater, you know, the, the bougie 
bougie yep. way of ice fishing, the Dave Brown way of ice fishing. <laughs> uh, Lawrence, I, I know, I know you love ice fishing. What are some of your fond memories? Oh, you know, well, I'm going to make one this winter if the ice cooperates. Right now, the ice is, you know, not cooperating, but we're going to head out to Trois-Rivières in Quebec, and we're going to oh, go fish nice. for Tom Cod. They they swim up from the ocean and go into the rivers to spawn, and it's quite a festival on the ice, so we've made plans for that in two weeks. Um, but, I, you know, even like the Bay of Quint just outside Toronto there and Sandbanks, that's a, that's a haven for ice fishing, and there's so much great ice fishing there. I remember once they, I, I, I hired this guide, and... <clears throat> He brought me out on his ATV, and I was on the first load. So I'm sitting on the back of the ATV, and he unclips my sled, drops me off the ATV, and we drove for about 20 minutes. And then he takes off, and I'm listening to his motor just disappear, and, you know, it fade away. And I'm standing on the ice, and at the mouth of this Bay of Quint that goes down to Lake Ontario, and I know Lake Ontario is not frozen, but the bay is, and it's just absolute silence. Nothing, not a sound. You know, it's the morning, the sun's just starting to peak up. And I'm thinking, what happens if he doesn't come back? You know, which way is which way is out of here? How do I get back? I don't even have my dog with me because I came out with the ATV. And um, I think, you know, I, I could just be stranded out here. And if I walk off in the wrong direction, I'll hit Lake Ontario and just sink and never be seen again. Oh dear. And I'm starting to get a little worried. And, you know, are they coming back? And then I hear a, all of a sudden I hear a zipper off to my side and then another zipper. And then I hear someone cough and... And then I realize I'm surrounded by other ice anglers in their tents already. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be aware of your surroundings, Lawrence. Hey, oh, La yeah. Lawrence, all this talk about ice and the water actually relates to the daily poll question for today because mm. folks all across the country did the polar dip yesterday, plunging into lakes and oceans across the country. Lawrence, at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, would you ever plunge yourself in freezing cold water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's mind over matter, right? Like, it, it's not that hard to do. You know, think about it. You, you're in the shower, you turn the water on cold, it hits your face. Yeah, that's hard to take, right? That's a big gasp moment. And that's what you have to do when you're plunging. You have to be prepared not to gasp and suck in a big lung full of water. But when you turn around and that cold water is hitting your back after a big workout in the gym, Dave, you know this. You know, <laughs> it doesn't feel that cold, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think hot hot water in your back is going to calm the muscles down? No, that's that cold water you want, and you barely feel the cold. It just feels great, so <laughs> it's mind over matter. I know something about the big workouts. I was clanging and banging yesterday in the morning at the uh -huh. gym, uh, throwing up the bench press numbers, trying to do uh, two and a half plates. But uh, I don't wow. know. I, the, the cold water is not for me, Lawrence. I'll, I'll head straight to the sauna and uh, do the warm <laughs> thing for me. Hey, Lawrence, thank you for this. Always great catching up. Have yourself a lovely day. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks, Dave. That is Lawrence Gunther. He's the host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. You can catch that show Saturdays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe will have the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minute. North American stock markets will open for the first trading day of the new year this morning. Toronto's TSX index gained 29 points Friday to close the year at 20,958. New York's Dow Jones average gave back 20 points and the Nasdaq lost 83. Japanese markets were closed today for New Year's holidays, but Hong Kong's Hang Seng index tumbled 258 points. And our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 75.49 cents U.S. The Canadian Centre for Policy 
policy alternatives, says Canada's 100 highest paid CEOs broke records with their compensation in 2022. Most of the men were paid an average of $14.9 million. That is $7,162 an hour, or 246 times more than what the average Canadian worker makes. In fact, the report says the average CEO has already made the average worker's yearly salary before the end of day, January 2nd. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. Let's turn to the world of weather with Alex Smythe. Alex, you've got a little bit of reflection to do on what was a busy weather month in the province of Ontario. Yeah, Dave, and we just heard earlier in the segment about Lawrence talking about how the ice in Ottawa and Ontario wasn't quite where it has been in the past. And there's a good reason for that, because the month of December saw a record-breaking, record-setting um, level of weather in different forms when it came to temperatures, precipitation, things like that. There were numerous records broken in December for Ontario. So I want to kind of go through some of them and highlight some of the key numbers. So in terms of the conditions and the weather and the warmth itself, Kenora saw the highest average and warmest temperatures in December on record by three degrees. It was setting a new temperature warm of over three degrees above its seasonal conditions. Meanwhile, in places like Hamilton, London, Windsor, and Toronto, it was their second warmest Decembers on record. So Kenora, warmest on record. For those other places, second warmest Decembers on record. When it came to precipitation, it was really dependent on the location. So the province saw an above average rainfall for December. Places like Toronto saw 200% of the average rainfall. Ottawa also 200%. Now for Toronto, that meant it's the sixth wettest uh, month for December on record. Sixth wettest month when it came to rain. Ottawa, fourth wettest December on record. I mentioned Kenora a bit earlier with the warm temperatures. Well, that also had a role to play when it came to the rainfall because they had 14 millimeters of rain in the month of December. That may not seem like a lot, but on average, they typically get around 1.1 millimeter of rain because the rest of that precipitation takes the form of snow. So they only had between one and 2% of the actual snowfall they expect for the month of December. The rest of it came in rain. And Timmins was just like Kenora. They saw between 1% to 2% of their snowfall. It was the fewest snow, uh, amount of snowfall ever for the month of December. So those are all the records from December. What does it mean now? Well, we make our way into the new year. The warm conditions are set to continue for the next week or so in eastern and southern Ontario. Hopefully colder air will then begin to push in, create deeper lows within the Great Lakes region. So you'll start to see more of those temperate kind of conditions. You'll start to see more of the snowflakes, less of the rain as the month of January moves on. But Dave, it's, uh, it's going to be a warm start to the year in Ontario, that's for sure. Thank you very much for this. Alex, coming up after the break, weather conditions and spending time in nature. That thought process continues when Anna Kim talks about the positive experiences of winter walks in the park. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.